So a couple things. That date night is going to be super fun. We got a big band coming. Um, lots of great music. Lots of great food. So yeah, if you could uh, buy a ticket, that'd be great. And here's the deal. I know with the church world and RSVPing, you're going to get to Thursday and you're like, well, we didn't RSVP. Can we still come? Yeah, you can still get a ticket. But here's the deal. At some point this week, we have to let our caterer know how many meals to prepare. So it would just be super awesome and really not all that difficult for you to RSVP and buy a ticket beforehand. All right, Colonel and Megan, we're being way too nice to you there. So it's seriously like two clicks technology these days. It makes it real easy. Um, we're glad you're here. My name's Jeff Kerr. If I haven't met you, my wife Christy and I are the pastors here. We would love to meet you and let you know anything more about the church, get you plugged in. Um, we are uh, we are experiencing some, and it's okay because it's a nice day out today, better than last Sunday, some, a, some air conditioning problems today. So this is as good as it's going to get right here. Over there in the what we normally refer to as the cheap seats, that's where the cool air is, is rushing in. So you might want to crowd over there. So you know, we don't want to make it too easy for you to come to church, right? We want to, you know, those who really want it. No AC, but we got the windows open. It's a beautiful day. Um, you know, at some point, we're going to start smelling the Farmington Steakhouse coming in just to in distract you a little more. The only thing worse is if someone was, like, blasting the Vikings game at some point today. But um, lots of Vikings jerseys. It's officially, we say it every year, it's officially Vikings Optimism Sunday. Right now for another... Five hours. We're going to make it. We're going to go all the way. This is our year, Skull Vikings. So we're very optimistic on this, the one and only Sunday of every year. Um, we are going to wrap up a series that we are in for most of the summer. I know we took a couple of weeks off, and if you were here last week, we had a great weekend, uh, back-to-school weekend, praying over all of our students. And then the weekend before that, my favorite weekend, water baptism weekend, I think we probably baptized close to 40 people throughout our services, which was really, really awesome. Um, but before that, through the summer, we had been talking about spiritual gifts and uh, different areas, different giftings that God gives his people. And if you were a part of the series through the summer, you've heard this a number of times, there's kind of the, the general call for all of us to grow in the gifts of the Spirit. So it's listed a few different spots. There's not like a definitive list of these are the official gifts of the Holy Spirit, but there's a few passages in the New Testament where it's listed, like God gives kind of Holy Spirit-enabled giftings to people to serve his purpose to serve the kingdom for the benefit of others. And that's really the theme today is our faith, our any spiritual gifts, any efforts that we have, anything with our faith, any love that we have for the Lord is not for us alone. It is to benefit others, to pour out for others. And so when we're talking about spiritual gifts, and some of them were the gift of encouragement or the gift of wisdom or knowledge or prophecy, on the gift of interpretation, speaking in tongues, some of those charismatic gifts that scare a lot of those people, a lot of the people in churches, the gift of mercy and giving and missions, all of these things we are supposed to all grow in. So if you say, well, I don't have the gift of evangelism, that doesn't mean as a Christ follower where you get to just ignore all the lost people in the world. We are all called to evangelize. Amen? Yes, a couple people over here. Thank you. Um, but some people have, maybe you sense like, I just have this burden that I sense when I'm around lost people, or I can't stop thinking about ways to reach lost people. Or when you talk to lost people, they respond to you, and you, you see yourself able to lead people to the love and salvation of Jesus Christ. That would be a Holy Spirit gifting in you. And so what we've been trying to do all summer is, first of all, to get all of us to recognize that we all have certain spiritual gifts that God has given us to use for his kingdom. 
and also to recognize we need everybody to step up and use these gifts as this church moves into this next season, not just this local church, but the church and the kingdom of God around the world. We are praying for a harvest of souls. Amen. We've been planting seeds. Christy and I were talking about this this week, like going into the fall season and fall season is kind of like, you know, the start of the church year. You know, we get all the ministries back up and all the cabin folk have returned and we get reacquainted with everyone who's gone for the whole summer. And um, and so we, we kind of kick everything off. And what Christy and I have been praying for is through the summer, we've had different outreaches. We had a great VBS in here for kids preaching the gospel to them and a back to school outreach for our community. Um, other events throughout the summer where we were what we would refer to as planting seeds, what the Bible talks about, planting seeds. We're planting seeds. And what we believe, and it's harvest season around here now, so what we believe, like everybody who plants a seed, is it's going to grow. There's going to be a harvest. So we're praying and expecting that some of these people are going to come and join us. So we need all of us to be prepared. We need all of us to be serving and leading and giving and ready to receive the harvest, right? Ready to connect with people, and not just in this building, to, to reach out to our community, to reach out to our neighbors and plant those seeds and see lives change. So we're going to wrap up this series today really just with a call, and it kind of fits with leadership night tonight, and it kind of fits with the spiritual gifts assessment that we had everybody take a few weeks ago, and if you didn't take the spiritual gifts test a few weeks ago, there's still another chance. You can still get in on all the fun, but we're going to start today in the Gospel of Mark chapter 11. Gospel of Mark chapter 11, we're going to start in verse 12. This is the story of Jesus cursing the fig tree, which sounds kind of funny if you've never read this story. It's Jesus just going up to this fig tree and cursing it and saying, you're never going to bear fruit, and it wilts, and it withers, and it's this weird story that disciples had to be like, why is Jesus taking out frustration on that poor innocent fig tree? But we're going to read about that today. Mark chapter 11, starting in verse 12. This comes right after the triumphal entry, so if you know the scripture in the New Testament, the triumphal entry, the, the Sunday before Easter Sunday where the people in the city of Jerusalem were lining the streets with their palm branches as Jesus and the disciples rode into Jerusalem singing Hosanna in the highest. All of these things that they were doing on a Palm Sunday or the triumphal entry. This is right after that. On the following day, Matthew or Mark chapter 11, verse 12. On the following day, the very next day, when they came from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to see if he could find anything on it. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. And he said to it, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard it. And it goes on to say, the next day the disciples show up and this fig tree had withered. And they're like, wow, that was an interesting deal. Now, if you just see that story, you're like, well, what does that have to do with anything? Especially that line in there, for it was not the season for figs. It wasn't even the season when fig trees would be producing fruit. So why is Jesus mad at this fig tree for not producing fruit when it's not supposed to produce fruit, right? If you look at an apple tree in, the, you know, in March and you're like, why aren't you producing apples? It's not the season. So what is Jesus upset at this fig tree for? It talks about this that he, first of all, was hungry, and he wanted to go get something to eat from this fig tree. Now, the reason Jesus was upset that this fig tree wasn't producing fruit, it wasn't because of the lack of fruit. It wasn't the season for figs. You would have no reason to expect there to be fruit on this tree. But it had leaves all over it. And so if I love the Bible. There's a lot of, like, 
agriculture theme, right? It, it really spoke to this audience and really audiences throughout history up until, you know, very recently where we just go to a grocery store, well, not in Farmington, go to a grocery <laughs> store to get our food. We don't really understand, you know, the planting and harvesting and preparing the soil. But throughout the scripture, we see so much, uh, uh, you know, examples of and illustrations of farming, planting seed, working the soil, bearing fruit, uh, digging deep roots, taking in the harvest. It's, a lot of it's lost on us a little bit, but this is one of those things where if you recognize what's going on here, um, because there was no figs, but there was leaves, that's what Jesus was upset about. Because leaves would not come onto a fig tree until right before the fruit would come. So the fact that this fig tree had leaves but no fruit means that it had the appearance of having fruit. It had all the outward appearance of fruitfulness, but there was nothing going on under the surface. Now that is something that we can relate to, right? The, exper the exterior of spiritual maturity, the exterior of a life that is life-giving and fruitful, yet under the surface there was nothing there. Now, this coincides with what happens right after this. If you read on, Jesus and the disciples go into the temple. This was the center of worship in this day and age. People would come. It was required of all Jewish people to come and offer sacrifices. This is where people would come to pray. This is where the presence of God was. It had been that way for thousands of years. So people would come into the temple, and rather than it being a place of prayer and worship and reverence to God, it had turned into like a business where the religious leaders were buying and selling, and they were selling animals to poor families at greatly inflated costs so that poor families couldn't even uh, get enough money together to offer a sacrifice. They couldn't, but because they had to, it was basically these religious leaders taking advantage of all the citizens, and it had become anything but a religious God-honoring experience. It had become all the, you know, like the fig tree, all the outward appearances of spiritual life, yet on the inside it was just greed and taking advantage of people and, um, you know, really extorting people and abusing people and making and really separating the religious leaders and shaming the other people. And Jesus sees that, goes into the temple and basically throws a fit. He overturns the tables. He starts like yelling at the religious leaders and this is supposed to be a house of prayer and you have turned it into a den of thieves. So it obviously coincides with what he did to that fig tree right before this. The whole theme is this, telling these people in the temple, you religious leaders, you have all the exterior of a fruitful God-honoring life, but yet on the inside, there's nothing there. You're just like that fig tree who had all the leaves, but no fruit. The point of our faith, and here's where we're going today, the point of our faith and our faith in Jesus Christ, the point of coming to church receiving salvation in Jesus Christ, the point of loving God and, and following Jesus is to bear fruit. It's to bear fruit. That's what this is all about. It's the thing we are supposed to do. We love God, we honor him, we live for him, but the New Testament especially is very clear, and you see it throughout Scripture. Faith that is just about you isn't walked out the way it's supposed to be. Your life is supposed to bear fruit. Like all the imagery throughout the Scripture, to have deep roots, to be nourished, to be connected to God, to bear fruit, to mature, to grow. This is what it's supposed to do. And if we're not bearing fruit, then we're not doing the one thing that we're supposed to do, right? We're not doing the one thing we're supposed to do. We have um, in our house, my wife, she's not here today, but she might be watching online, so I'll make sure my 
story details are very accurate because I know you'll tell her. She just bought a new toaster, okay? Now, if you hear from your, if husbands, if you hear from your wives, just bought a new toaster, my first question was the obvious question, what was wrong with the old toaster? You know, I put bread in, it toasted, it was fine. Well, there was discrepancy here about whether the old toaster was, in fact, toast. And, uh, and so she went out, and this is when I was out of town, and she bought a new toaster. I didn't ask how much it was, because that would make me feel sad in my heart. Um, but this new toaster, she says, you're going to love it. And I said, okay, how do you really love a toaster? She's like, no, not only does it make toast, but it's got like one big, like really wide opening, so you can put bagels in there. You can, and I looked at her, and I'm like, this thing's huge. You can, apparently, you can sear a pot roast in this thing or whatever. And <laughs> But not only that, there's all these buttons and settings, and then you can turn the thing on its side like it pivots on its side, and then there's a tray that you can put it in for like a... See, some people are like, oh, I need this toaster. You can have mine. I'll give it to you. Um, you turn it on its side, and you put a thing, and it becomes a toaster oven, and you can toast sandwiches and reheat pizza and do all sorts of stuff. So Christy's telling me all this stuff. Here's the problem with the toaster. When I make toast, the first day I put the bread in, and I didn't have the settings right. It was on the bagel setting. So it only toasted one side of the bread. Great. That's not what I needed. So then, um, the, because the, the opening of the, the slot in the toaster is so big for you to put a small turkey in there, when you just put two slices of bread and you push it down, it doesn't hold it tight. And so it's a big gap. And so as the toast is toasting, it kind of like crumples <laughs> and sinks down. And then it pops up, perfectly toasted, but in like a bread bowl shape. And so then I have to kind of spread it out and put my peanut butter and jelly on it. And it's the, so after a while, I say, great, ninja toaster. Um, if you do all of these things, that's fine and good. But what I really need you, you know what I really want you to do? Is just make toast. Just make toast. Otherwise, stop calling yourself a toaster, right? This is the point of our faith. If we're not doing the one thing that Jesus has called us to do to bear fruit, yet you're saying, well, I'm doing all this other stuff. Great. But what we really need you to do is bear fruit, to mature, to grow. And if you're not doing that, then you're not, doing, you're not making toast. You're not doing the thing that you were supposed to do. This is consistent throughout Scripture of our call to bear fruit. I'm going to read a few Scriptures. Psalm 1, 1 through 3. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. And that, this is what happens when we do that. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water. Again, this kind of um, agriculture theme throughout Scripture. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. John 15, verse 5, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit showing yourselves to be my disciples. That's how you show yourself to be a follower of Jesus, by bearing fruit. How you show yourself to be a fig tree is to produce fruit. This is pretty simple stuff, yet we miss it so often in our walk of faith. Colossians 1.9. This is the verse that I read last week when we were praying over our students. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. And what does that look like? Bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. So let's talk fruit for a few minutes, okay? 
Think about your life. What is the fruit of your life? Everything is going to bear fruit of some sort. You know, you go and you, may, I don't know, there's certain trees or certain things and there's berries on there. And as a kid, I remember being like, oh, this looks good. I'm going to eat this. And they're like, yeah, that's a crab apple tree. Try that. And then I go over to this tree. It's like, I'm going to eat this. And they're like, no, don't eat those. I'm like, well, how are you, how's a kid supposed to know, right? I guess somebody figured it out the hard way. I was thinking about this. I heard someone talking about this. Total sidetrack, but I'm ahead of schedule, so we're good. Um, mushrooms okay imagine you're like a thousand years ago there's three guys just walking through the woods and there's three different kinds of mushrooms and they're like no one's ever eaten these things before what do we do with these and so first guy tries the first one he's like this is delicious we should put this on a toasted with my toaster toasted flatbread and make some sort of a meal out of it this is delicious and the Second guy, Carl, he goes to the second mushroom and eats that and gets high as a kite. And you're like, wow, that's different from the first mushroom. And then, and then Dan, the third guy, eats his mushroom, drops dead. Like, how do you know the first people to try these mushrooms and identify, like, good, real good, and terrible, right? That was a joke. Don't, don't, yeah, never mind. So let's talk fruit. Because everything's going to bear fruit. So your life, is your life going to be one of those nourishing things that people are like, there's good fruit there. There's good fruit there. Or is it one of those things that's a little bit more poisonous or prickly or something, right? Do, do people get a rash after coming by you because you're like poison ivy or like a thorny rose bush or something, right? It, that would be actually pretty handy if you could, after an encounter with someone, if you walked away with a rash, you would be like, that's actually a good sign to stay away from that. Like poison ivy, right? we got to learn the hard way. What is the fruit of your life. What is the fruit of your life? There are two reasons that a tree will bear fruit. There's two points to having fruit in your life, and the first is this. It's nourishment, right? Why did Jesus go to the fig tree? Because he was hungry. He needed sustenance. He needed something to eat, and there's a tree with fruit. The point of the tree, the point of the fruit is to bring nourishment. The point of your life the reason your life is called to bear spiritual fruit is to bring spiritual nourishment to other people so that when spiritually hungry people, when people who are lost and broken and hurting come in contact with your life, they walk away feeling fed, feeling encouraged, feeling energized, lifted up, cared for. This is spiritual nourishment. Does that make sense? This is what fruit is for. When a weary world comes in contact with you, they should feel nourished. They shouldn't feel like they've been poked at with thorns or poison ivy or whatever it was. It should be nourished. They should feel fed. Too many Christians are like that fig tree that on the outside look all spiritual, all leafy, all mature, all great. And then you get to know them and you're like, oh, there's nothing there. When I really get to know them, there's nothing there. There's no fruit. There's nothing nourishing the dark world around them. There's nothing making a difference. Are you nourishing other people? Your life, think about that. Your life this week, students, if you're here, when you go to school this week, in addition to studying and working hard and respecting your teachers, amen, your life is there to bring nourishment to other people. Just by being kind and loving, just by showing the fruit of someone who loves Jesus, you can be around other students who are in the midst of darkness and depression and whatever it is where they just feel lost, and they are going to be around you feeling like, I feel like I've just been 
spiritually lifted up, energized, fed. People are going to be drawn to that because of the fruit in your life that brings nourishment. So from the youngest to the oldest, are you nourishing other people with your life? When you are around people, is it making a positive impact? Are you bearing fruit? This is what we are called to do. And the second point of fruit, first is to bring nourishment. And the second one is multiplication, reproduction. This is actually why fruit is on a tree. If you think about an apple tree for a minute, okay? You've got an apple on a tree, and eventually in the fall, it falls to the ground. Now, inside the apple tree are the seeds. What do seeds do? They grow. Now, it was when I was a little kid, I was worried every time I ate a part of an apple and swallowed a seed, I'm like, is it going to grow in my stomach, and I talked to my friends about it, and they're like, I don't think so. That's not how it works. I'm glad we know now. But a tr an apple falls to the ground. It's got the seeds inside. It's by design intended to make a little indent in the ground and sit there. And then as the apple begins to decompose, waste away, that is like fertilizer. That's the nourishment for those seeds to begin to sprout and grow and take root. And by design, then you got another apple tree. Right? This is why, this is by design. The dandelions in your yard, or maybe just my yard, you know, they get to that point where all the kids pick and it's the little, little dusty thing where they blow on it and all the seeds go flying and all the dads are like, great, there's 600 more dandelions that are now planted because by design, the wind is supposed to carry those seeds. Or like a maple tree with the little helicopter seeds. The wind is supposed to catch those, take them elsewhere so that they can sit in the ground and have the nourishment needed to grow. It's multiplication. That's actually why fruit is there. Interesting that what brings multiplication also can bring nourishment to other people. Same thing with our lives, right? Multiplication. It's designed to multiply. So here's our focus for the rest of the morning as we're talking about not just finding areas to serve in this church, but kind of making that shift into realizing that your life and your faith is not just here for your benefit. It's designed to nourish and multiply it's designed to multiply. Who are you impacting with your life? Who are you bringing along with you? Who are you leading? When we talk about, well, let's do this. When we talk about leadership night tonight, some of you think, well, I don't lead anything. I'm not in charge of any ministries at the church, so I'm not invited to leadership night. That's not what it is. When we talk about leadership, we're basically talking about just growing in our faith because you are leading and we should be leading whatever official capacity you have at the church because there's always potential for you to lead somebody. Who are you bringing along? Who are you kind of mentoring one-on-one? -on -one? Who are you connecting with in the church that is um, spiritually a few steps behind you where you can say, hey, come along with me. Let's talk about the scripture. Let's do th That is leading, whether or not anybody sees it or not. We are all called to lead because we're all called to influence and we're all called to multiply. So who are you leading? Who are you bringing along with you? Is your life nourishing and multiplying? The fruit in your life is for the benefit of others. Now this is, in the church world, a pivotal shift that everybody needs to make. Because sometimes we can come into a church, especially in this culture where everything is sold to you like it's all about you, whatever, have it your way, whatever preferences you want, right? And so we kind of make that approach in church, especially if you're a new believer. Well, not new believers, because new believers are awesome. They're just like, this is great. It's the kind of stale, older believers that have been in church for 20, 30 years or 10, 30, 20 years. And after a while, if, if it's just been about you for that long, then you're just like, oh. I'm kind of bored, right? Oh, it's just, oh, same old. We've sung these songs before, huh? 
air conditioner's broken. It's getting a little muggy in here. And, you know, you just, this is really isn't great. And you go to a church, like, what, what's in it for me? What programs do you have for my family? And now we want to do a great job at offering programs for kids and youth and do things well. But if you don't ever make the shift from what's in it for me to I'm here for others, that my faith is for others, man, you're going to just get pretty bored in your faith. And you know what happens when people get bored in their faith? You keep in that mentality of receiving, and you're focusing on yourself. But when you make that shift, it becomes less about your experience and more about who are you bringing with you. You want faith to come alive in your life? Maybe you've been in church for 20 years, and you're just like, I feel like I've heard everything. One one signal for me is, and this happens everywhere. Now, this isn't meant to, maybe you've said this, and I apologize, but you can write me an email and complain at colonel at homestead.net. <laughs> um, what will happen is, after a while, people will be like, oh, I've heard all this stuff before. And you know what we need, Pastor? You know what we need? We need deeper teaching. And I'm always like, well, what, what do you mean by that? Like Greek and Hebrew and, well, just deeper stuff. And really, I'll, often what they're saying is, I just need something I haven't heard before. I've heard all this before. I've heard all this before. So then we, that means I just made a good point. <laughs> Did anyone else hear that? Okay. Sometimes I wonder. <laughs> that voice in your head right now, everyone's hearing that too, right? Or is that just me? Um, what, what's, what's happening is they're saying, I'm bored. I need something deeper engage, I need something more to engage with. I, I've heard all this stuff, so I need something new. Um, and so I'll think, well, maybe I'll say something in Greek or Hebrew, and that's kind of the pastor's trick to like, wow, I'm sounding really deep today. And so I'll talk about fig trees, and I'll say, yeah, but in the season and what happens here, and people are like, ooh, that's good, and that's the deep stuff. All that's good. I want to preach well. I want to engage. I want to talk about Greek and Hebrew because it's important, the language of Scripture. But here's the deal. You want to know what the deeper stuff is? You want to know what's going to engage your faith more than just an increased spiritual stimuli from the outside, more than just like something else that's going to grab my attention that comes from the stage or a new song or an awesome electric guitar player. You want to know what's going to engage you is when you make that shift to pour into somebody else. That's the deeper stuff because then all of a sudden you're going to be like, wow, I've heard all these stories a hundred times, but now I'm explaining it to my unsaved neighbor and I better get in the word. I better spend some time praying. You want to have your faith come alive. Invite an unsaved friend to church, and you're going to be like, oh, man, I hope someone talks to them. I hope the building's clean. I hope, and you're going to be like, you're going to see it through a whole different way. You're going to pray like you've never prayed before because you've made that shift. The deeper stuff, if you're bored in church, is to engage and lead other people, right? After so many seasons, a fig tree can be like, here we go again, just sitting here. No, they are producing fruit for those around them. That is the deeper stuff. If your focus remains on what am I getting out of this, you're just going to become stagnant and miserable. And this is a common trajectory in a lot of churches that just continue to look inward. You just get a group of people that are like, well, things aren't really the way I like it like they used to be. We need to reach out. We need to reach out. When the shift is made to this isn't about me and my experience, it's about whom I'm bringing along, who I'm impacting. It's about bearing fruit to nourish and multiply. So that's why we want to start these leadership nights. Not just for those who are running a ministry, but for all of us who get it and are like, I want to make that shift to have my life bear fruit, to think more of an influencer 
a multiplier, a leader. Leaders are people who set the tone. So it's not just if you're a small group leader or a youth speaker or some, leading a ministry here at the church. It's if you, if you want to be on board and like shape the culture and take the vision of this church forward. And rather than being in the lobby just looking for donuts, it's I want to find people that I can connect with. These are leaders. This is why we want to have a leadership night. We want to see, Christy and I talk about this so much, we want to see Homestead Church bear fruit. What does that look like? It's not just about offerings and, and people in the seats. We want to see the church grow, but it is about influence influencing our culture. It's about people engaging in their faith where they make that shift to become influencers and bearing fruit and nourishing and multiplying. We're expecting a harvest here at Homestead Church. Once you plant a seed, you're committed to it. You don't plant a seed and then think, I wonder if it's ever going to grow. No, farmers who plant seeds are expecting a harvest. And when the harvest is ready, Everything else falls onto the back burner. Everything else is less important. In Farmington, it's certain things are being harvested right now. If you ever get stuck on Flagstaff behind one of the Donnelly giant tractors, you know their priority is getting that harvest in, right? Because it's time for the harvest. This is what it means when we plant seeds. We've been planting seeds, and we believe that a spiritual harvest is coming, and we need everybody to engage. When Jesus talks about the harvest, talking about unsaved people, he says, look around, the harvest is ready. And I would say that about Farmington. Look around, we've got hurting people. Just in, our, just in the mile radius of this church, so many hurting people, just in our schools, just students that are just struggling. The level of anxiety and depression and, and suicide thoughts and actions in our schools alone just escalated beyond anything we've seen before. We, we have a harvest. We have souls that need the love of Jesus. And what Jesus says in the scriptures when he talks about, look around, the fields are ripe for the harvest. He doesn't say, pray that the harvest would be there. He says, it's already there. What does Jesus say? He says, pray for workers, pray for laborers to go into the harvest. The harvest is there. What we need is people whose lives are determined to bear fruit and multiply. So specifically, you know, today we're talking about ways to serve in this church, and we're going to talk about that again at Leadership Night tonight. And but this is not just about filling volunteer spots, although we have spots that we can slide you in if you want. This is about bearing fruit. This is about shifting your mindset, having your faith be about engaging and impacting other people. So what we did a few weeks ago is we gave a QR code for a spiritual gifts test. We don't need to put that one up there yet. Um, and so we asked you to do that, and you can still do that online. Um, you can go on our website. But what we have in a minute, we're going to put something up on the screen, and it's just going to be this idea of what we've worked on as a staff is kind of a, we're calling it the matrix. But it's basically you go on to the website, you take the spiritual gifts test, and what the spiritual gifts test is basically like 40 questions where it's like, do you, when you're around lost people, do you do this? Uh, when, when it comes to, are you generous with your resources? What Do you notice people who are hurting? In a situation that's difficult, do you kind of know what the right thing, or do you feel like you have wisdom for a certain situation? And It just kind of goes through, and you rank yourself. Just be honest, and at the end of it, it's going to say, well, okay, you know, by according to your answers, what we see is these are your top spiritual gifts. You're like, okay. So now what we're going to have on our website is you can go in there, and you can click on your top spiritual gifts, and the matrix is going to show you different ways that you can get plugged in at the church. Now, here's what I want you to start thinking about is there's lots of different ways. If you have a gift of administration, administration like organizing things and bringing order to chaos, 
Trust me, we need those people at our church, right? There are, there are events, there are things that we do. Like every time we throw a back-to-school event or every time we have Saturday night tailgating, we need all sorts of people to just organize it, to go get the food, to, to set up the tables, to think about how is the food line going to work and let's make it more efficient and, you know, stuff like that. But it's not just that. If you think, well, I don't ever, I like kids, but I would never get up there and speak to kids. I'd never get up there and be the main presenter in kids' church downstairs. Guess what? There's all sorts of ways behind the scenes that you can help in kids with any spiritual gift, right? There's all sorts of ways that you can be involved in um, teaching that don't involve standing up here with a microphone. It could be a small group. It could be just mentoring someone in the youth group saying, hey, I want to sit down. Let's talk through the scripture. Let's talk through what Jesus is doing in our lives. What about this? We've got all these, we're going to have all these people getting plugged into ministries. We're going to need people to sit down with the people that want to get signed up and just onboard them, essentially. Like, tell them, okay, this is what it means to serve in the usher's ministry. That's a teaching gift right there. Teaching is just explaining things in a way that people can understand. So I want us to stop kind of putting things in a box of, well, I don't want to be, I I, want to be with kids, but I'm not going to, like, you know, hold babies. There's lots of ways you can do that. There's ways that you can be involved um, finding a, a place to serve in the church that, you know, uh, teaching, hospitality, you know, it's not just getting the donuts and coffee ready on a Sunday morning. It's, we've got lots of events here at the building. We have weddings that come here, and we just need people to host a wedding. We need people to run the sound during a Thursday afternoon wedding. Yes, there, that's the sound back there, and they gave me a thumbs up right there. I will also give you a thumbs up for that. Um, Uh, different events, different things, like hospitality. And even a hospitality gift can be used just in the lobby unofficially, just greeting people. You know, the most powerful people I've ever experienced in a church, from the church I grew up in all the way through now, are the people that aren't wearing a badge or don't have an official capacity. They're just using the gift of encouragement and hospitality in the lobby of the church where there's a difference, again, me being the cynical thing. If there was a spiritual gift of cynicism, I would be way, way up there. Um, there's a difference if someone comes to me in the lobby of something wearing the, the badge that says, greeter, hi, how you doing today? And I'm like, okay, that's your job. But when someone is just being friendly and just engaging and just talking, those people are gold. If you have a gift of hospitality, just start connecting people. Roger Lane, who we lost almost a year ago, he was like so great at that. He would just talk to people. He could just make connections. We had a guy in our church growing up that he just was in the lobby. He knew everybody. These are, this is the gift of hospitality at work that isn't like officially, you know, a, a job description. Just use your gifts. Does this make sense? I want you to think about ways that you can get involved. One other way, we have all sorts of projects around here that just need people who know how to do stuff. There are times where I say, okay, we've got these things. I need someone who knows how to sew. I'm like, okay, well, let's, there's got to be somebody with, with the sewing gift, um, like the village and the three amigos. That was their skill. Sorry, that's a way old reference. But those who caught it are like, this church is for me. Um, you know, there are times, here's, here's uh, one thing I've experienced. There's times where on Easter Sunday we have a bridge here. We've done this at different churches I've been a part of. It. And there's been times where, this is at a, a previous church I was at, where there was these two guys that wanted to get involved and like, we don't really know how to, I'm not going to teach a, lead a group. I'm not going to get up on stage. We, and I'm like, well, what do you do? Like, we can build stuff. So I said, okay, Easter Sunday, we're going to have a bridge. And people who give their lives to the Lord, we're going to talk about how Jesus' death and resurrection is the bridge from man to God. And we need a bridge for people to walk on. And they're like, okay. So they built us this bridge. 
Now, you would think, okay, they used their skills and they accomplished a task. But here's the beautiful part of this. On that Easter weekend, when these two guys see all these people who just gave their lives to Jesus walking across the bridge that they built, first of all, they're good at it, so I was confident it wasn't going to collapse because that would be bad imagery right there. But they were watching this happen, and they're both just a mess because they're like, I thought we were just putting some two-by-fours together, but now look at what God is doing. Like, it was just this eye-opening thing of it wasn't just hammer and nails. It was being a part, using your gifts for something eternal. And there was something that shifted in them that, like, I'm in. They're like, I'm in. Whatever you need, I'm in. Because they saw their gifts being used for the glory of God. We need people who can just build stuff, do stuff. We had a crew yesterday going to someone in the church who needed help you know, hauling concrete and to make a pad, a concrete pad in their backyard. We have a lady in our church, single a widow that just needs help with some yard work. We have a crew of people going over to there to help with that. We got projects in this building. Guess what? We bought a 140-year-old building. There's stuff that needs a little work, right? As you look around, there's like, oh, yeah, we always have projects. If you want to get involved, talk to Colonel, because Colonel's always looking for a crew of people who are like, I can do yard work. I can paint. I, after three years in a building, it's like, yeah, I can patch gouges in the wall and put some paint on it, and we'd prefer it if you were good at that so it looks good. But, you know, this is why you're gifted in the ways that you are. We got, we got needs in this church where we got, we got to start thinking bigger. I, we've been talking as a staff. We have to stop thinking just in terms of, well, here's the five positions that we need, and the rest of it we just do ourselves because we're the paid staff members. We are not here to hire more professionals at this church. This is not a professionally run, this is going to sound bad, this is not a professionally run organization, <laughs> clearly, right? We're not here trying to hire more people to do the work. What we as a staff need to do is start shifting more and more to raising up people, raising up leaders in the church to just do the ministry of the church. That is very clear in Scripture. The ministry is for all of us to do together. So if you're spectating right now, we need you to grow. Come to leadership night. Find a way to multiply, to bear fruit. These are all the things that we are called to do. So there's going to be, um, let's put that slide up there with the QR code, the screen. You can scan this. So this is also on our website, but if you want to scan that QR code, this is the spiritual gift service form. So this takes you into the matrix, right? So this is, there's going to be an opportunity on there for you to take the spiritual gifts assessment. That's your first step so that you find out, okay, these are kind of my three top gifts. Now start looking through what we have on our website or our app, and that QR code will take you there, or you can just go to homesteadcommunitychurch.org and just start looking at, oh, yeah, I never thought about, oh, yeah, they need help with the tech ministry. Oh, there's actually tech that needs help on Thursday nights and Wednesday nights and Monday night, you know, all these things. Oh, I could come help do some projects around the building. I could host events, or I could meet people in the lobby. I could help teach. I could be involved in kids. I want us to just start thinking about this. And then what we're going to do as a staff is just connect with you and just say, hey, we'd love to get you connected, okay? And we're going to make it super painless. It's going to be fine. We're not going to sign you up for every Sunday for the rest of your life, right? It's going to be how do you want to be involved, and let's figure out a way for you to do it. And the double blessing is that it blesses the church, and I promise you you're going to receive when you do that, this isn't just like, oh, how much more can I give? It's a you're going to receive because you're going to grow and you're going to see like those two guys that built the bridge. Wow, God is using my gifts to lead people into his kingdom and there's nothing better to give your life for than that, right? So let's close 
Uh, we're going to close in prayer. If you want to do that, scan that QR code. We'll leave that up there. I'd love to get you involved. And over the next couple of weeks, we're going to sort through the info. So if you don't hear from us tomorrow, it doesn't mean we forgot about you. We're going to sort through and kind of bring order to chaos. And if you have the gift of administration, come find us and we'll put you to work. But let's close in prayer. We'd love to have you get involved in this, but let's close in prayer today. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. We recognize that you have given us gifts, talents, abilities, and Lord, we can spend them all on ourselves or we can waste them away, but how much more would it be beneficial to us and to your kingdom if we would pour them into your kingdom and to to nourish others and to multiply? This is what we want to do. So Lord, help us make that shift. We are all leaders because we're all influencers. We're all multipliers. So help us to begin to take that seriously, to engage our faith in more than just what it means for me, but how we are benefiting the world around us. And I pray that you would make great connections with people getting involved in church, finding places to serve, that it would just be a huge blessing to this church and to them as well. So Lord, we pray this in your name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Awesome. Well, if you want to scan that QR code, go ahead and do that. If you'd like prayer, we'll have some prayer team members up front. We would love to see you tonight at 6 o'clock for Leaders Night. God bless. Have a great week.